Yet another batch of prospects are set to debut, and a pair of first basemen are showing unusual power. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three O'Brews yet. It worked great in a fantasy. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Friday, August 21st. I'm Al Melkier. I am here with Derek Van Riper. So, DVR, tell me if you've heard this one before. There's um, some new injuries on the Yankees, and we've got a bunch of prospects that are coming up. It's pretty good, right? It's pretty normal. <laughs> it's, yeah, un- it's Unfortunately, the injury bug bites the Yankees a lot in recent years, and uh, Houston, too. We'll talk about some injuries there. But yeah, uh, I'm excited about the prospects because I thought last weekend might have been the last big push with some impact players. And even if there's nobody at quite the level of the guys who were called up last weekend, Alec Bohm and Dylan Carlson, the quantity of young players coming up this week is even greater. With the two Tigers prospects came up earlier in the week and a bunch more that we're going to get to today. Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, one or more every single day. And yeah, a bunch more uh, that were announced on Thursday. A couple of really highly ranked prospects, too. So we'll get to those shortly. But we'll actually, we'll start with the latest news uh, regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, One Mets player and one Mets coach have tested positive. And as a result of that, the Mets um, series closer on Thursday night, uh, I guess series finale is actually a better term, in Miami, that was canceled, and uh, the Friday series opener against the Yankees uh, also postponed. So, another team in limbo, um, and so obviously we we don't know too much there. Uh, but I think the tentative plan, anyways, is for the Mets to get back underway on Saturday. But we'll know more. Uh, in the meanwhile, Mets have other the Mets have other news. Um, Seth Lugo has been moved to the rotation. Stephen Matz moved to the bullpen. In fact, Lugo was supposed to start that game on Thursday night against the Marlins, and Michael Walker is scheduled to throw a bullpen session on Friday and may be in play to start Sunday against the Yankees again, assuming that that game goes forward. Uh, and that news coming to us from Mike Puma of the New York Post. So, uh, and then on the Marlins side of things, well, they, they've got two of the uh, high profile call ups uh, that were announced on Tuesday Sixto Sanchez and Jesus Sanchez, uh, both getting the call uh, up to the majors to make their debuts. Joey Bart from the Giants, um, a former first-round pick, and Tristan McKenzie for the Indians, joining their uh, their rotation at least on a temporary basis. So, uh, DVR, where, where do you start, want to start with this uh, this batch of prospects? Uh, let's start with Joey Bart because the catcher pool is always a problem, and at least in terms of second catchers, Joey Bart's an upgrade over just about everybody. The raw power alone. Makes him intriguing. I think he compares very favorably to your typical uh, 230, 240 average plus you know, 20 home run pop if we're talking about a full season sort of hitter at his current state. And he's probably going to get better. So he's exciting. And I think the Giants are going to hit him pretty high up in that batting order too, which is generally not the case of the low average, decent power counterparts to Bart at catcher. So uh, I'm excited. I'm glad they brought him up. I'm kind of surprised they waited as long as they did. I thought this would have happened a couple of weeks ago if they were going to make a move. But let's count this as a pleasant surprise. 
Uh, very much so, yeah, because the Giants were really soft peddling the possibility of Bart coming up this year um, earlier in the season. But uh, they've not got not received a whole lot of uh, production from the catcher position. But as you noted, a lot of teams haven't. Uh, so that is a very exciting thing. And uh, making his debut on Thursday night against the Angels batting sixth. Um, and of course, uh, in the lineup as their their catcher. So uh, right away, we get some sort of indication of where Bart's going to fit in there. Um, in terms of those Marlins uh, call-ups, again, uh, because uh, the Marlins did not play on Thursday, uh, things are, are a little bit up in the air as far as the rotation goes. We don't know when Sandy Alcantara is going to come back, maybe soon, maybe in less than a week. But that's really indeterminate at this point. But if you figure, I mean, Sanchez is up to be in the rotation, and there are certainly uh, opportunities there. I mean, between behind uh, Pablo Lopez, uh, there's you know there's there's opportunities there, even with uh, Alcantara coming back uh, into the rotation. So, what are your expectations for Sixto Sanchez? Strikeouts, but I'm wondering what kind of ratios are actually going to come with it initially. And kind of like with Joey Bart, like I mentioned Bart being a 230-240 guy in the short term. I don't think that's who he is in the long term. I just think making the leap from double A to the big leagues and having to go from the alternate site for almost a month into the big leagues is actually pretty challenging too. So I think we do have to sort of adjust our learning curves for young players. I think maybe uh, Scoobles start on... Tuesday night was a, a good reminder as to why we need to be a little more cautious about having guys active for their debuts. It's just not the same as basically practicing every single day. Uh, but I do like Sixto Sanchez quite a bit as a prospect. I mean, I think the the pitch mix is good in terms of being able to get whiffs. It's going to come down to whether or not he's able to keep the walks as low as he has everywhere he's pitched. And I, I don't see any reason to believe that he won't do that. I mean, I, I just think this is going to be a permanent fixture in the Marlins rotation, even after they get healthy. Uh, you know, eventually Caleb Smith comes back to this rotation, too. And you could see Alcantara, you could see Smith, you could see Lopez and Sanchez and probably Eliezer Hernandez as the starting five. I think they could bump Jose Urena to the bullpen and cast the other depth starters into those relief roles as well. Yeah, and I didn't mention Hernandez before, really just, you know, kind of made it Pablo Lopez and, and just, you know, whoever else can fill those slots. But uh, it's yeah, worth mentioning Hernandez, who's been impressive so far. And in fact, I got a question on Twitter after the announcement about Sanchez, uh, somebody asking me, who would I rather have uh, rostered at this point, Sanchez or uh, Eliezer Hernandez? And I actually would prefer Hernandez at this point, just because he's a little bit more of a known quantity. So I don't know, uh, you know, I think that that really gets back to what you were saying that coming from the alternate site. I mean, are you going to get production like what we saw from Tarek Skubal or are we going to get something more like what we saw from Casey Mize or Dane Dunning uh, the other night? So, you know, I just think there's a, a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah, there is. I mean, I think the other thing that makes evaluating prospects so difficult is command. If you have average command versus slightly above average command versus very good command, how much does that change your learning curve? And I think most people at least have uh, Sixto Sanchez with an above average command grade. So he might adapt quicker than most prospects, but I still have that concern about anybody coming up from the alternate site. It's just a unique thing to have to go from games and practices where you don't even have enough guys on the field in some cases to actual competition that matters with the flick of a switch. 
Yeah, well, uh, we're just going to have to, you know, wait and see. And unfortunately, we don't know when Sanchez is going to make his debut. Uh, would be helpful to us if it were uh, sometime this weekend, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. As far as Jesus Sanchez goes, I think there's a, a cloudier path there for him uh, to get regular playing time. Maybe it's more of a rotation situation in the Marlins outfield. Tristan McKenzie's an interesting case here because um, he didn't pitch last year in the minors. Uh, had uh, pectoral and lat strains that kept him out of action, but a really good strikeout pitcher prior to uh, 2019 uh, would certainly be promising. But we also don't know what the uh, you know what the future is going to be for Mike Clevenger or Zach Plezak, and is this going to be a, a one and done thing for for McKenzie? Uh, this weekend he's actually slated to start against the tigers on saturday that's a really i mean if you're going to take a flyer on somebody who's making their first start with all that uncertainty you get the tigers who have been a fantastic matchup for pitchers but but maybe it's a pitch and dip situation that's sort of how i would bid on it if you had to run some sort of fab you know overnight into the weekend or anything like that but i i just keep wondering with tristan mckenzie there's two things that stand out to me. His frame, he's very skinny. It kind of reminds me of Carl Edwards Jr. when he was a prospect. And you look at the scouting grades and you see two above average pitches and two below average pitches. And that to me just screams reliever when you put those two things together. I know he's getting a chance to start this game. I really wonder how deep into the start he'll be allowed to go. Even if he's pitching well, is he going to be capped at 70 or 75 pitches or is that number even lower potentially? Um, so I could see doing it because of the matchup, but I'm looking at it much like you described as a one and done or a pitch and ditch scenario. Yeah. And also, yeah, the pitch count, that's a, a good thing to bring up too in regard to Sanchez, uh, because I did see a report that he's been uh, worked up to uh, 90 pitches in his uh, outings at the alternate site. So um you probably don't have to worry as much unless he gets hit around. You don't have to worry about as uh, as much with him, you know, maybe getting lifted after two or three innings. So that's another plus for Sixto, Sixto Sanchez. Uh, well, we do have a lot of injury news, so uh, we'll move on to that. Alex Bregman placed on the injured list by the Astros, which you alluded to earlier, DVR. Um, he's got a hamstring injury. He is set to get an MRI. Zach Britton also has a hamstring injury, has also been placed on the IL. He has had his MRI and is just waiting on results. So we can't really say much about timetables for either Bregman or Britton at this point. Uh, and more Yankees injury news. James Paxton is going to have an MRI on his forearm or elbow. Um, that was how I saw it reported. Doesn't seem like it's clear yet exactly where the injury is for Paxton. And Glaber Torres hurt himself running to first base. Look like it might be a bad injury. It's being diagnosed currently as a tight hamstring in a day-to-day situation, but uh, we'll have to see what other information comes out there uh, in terms of Glaber Torres. Um, so any impacts here that you see with these uh, Yankees or Astros injuries? The Astros one is pretty interesting just because Abraham Toro, I, I think he was playing a little bit as to kind of like a utility guy anyway, and now he's kind of got a spot to call his own temporarily. He gets more run now. And then Taylor Jones, also because of the Jordan Alvarez knee injury, is getting a chance with the big club right now. And I think he might actually play a bit in the short term as well. Uh, sort of a secondary winner, if you will, from Bregman's absence. Uh, this is a team that's also without Michael Brantley right now. So eventually they're going to start to get healthy with a couple of those guys coming back. And, and Jones might be bumped off the roster or at least moved back into a part-time role. Uh, but 
I think in deeper mixed leagues, especially both Toro and Jones are going to be worthwhile pickups. I'm almost certainly going to include them in the ads and drops column this weekend. Uh, yeah, and uh, we've got uh, some Twins and Rangers injuries as well, and I think some important impacts with these situations. Uh, Mitch Garver, who's just not been able to produce like he did last season, he's uh, gone on the injured list with the uh, with an intercostal strain. Byron Buxton, uh, unfortunately a familiar place for him to be the IL. He's got uh, left, sh- uh, left shoulder inflammation. Uh, so as far as uh, the twins go, that's going to be more playing time for Alex Avila. And I would think more for Jake cave, although uh, that may be split a few different ways, but I know I certainly would be looking for cave uh, on waivers and some deeper leagues. Yeah. I think cave is sort of the bandaid solution there. And I wonder, I have not heard anything to suggest they would actually do it, but I wonder if there's any chance we would see Royce Lewis as a result of Byron Buxton's injury. I haven't seen that either, but yeah, something to keep our eyes open for. And the Rangers, uh, Willie Calhoun and Elvis Andrews going on the IL. In Calhoun's case, it's a hamstring injury. For Andrews, uh, a lower back strain. He's been out for a few days. Anyway, uh, Calhoun, he's got a timetable, a minimum of three weeks. Uh, That, according to Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News, and I saw another report that uh, there's a chance maybe he misses the rest of the season. But that's not uh, as divergent as it may sound because we're we're basically coming up on the halfway mark of the season. I mean, when we set our lineups this weekend, we're we're going to be just shy of halfway through the the regular season. So even if it's just the three weeks for Calhoun, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for him uh, to play. Uh, is either Calhoun or Andrus worth keeping around? And anybody as a replacement on the Rangers worth picking up? Calhoun, I think, with that timetable is definitely a drop. Andrews, I think you could certainly make a case for it because he just hasn't been playing well when he's been out there either. Uh, Three steals in 21 games, not showing the power we saw a couple of years ago, average below the Mendoza line. Uh, I think this just makes Danny Santana's playing time really safe. And I think the other wrinkle in the outfield is a little bit more interesting because the Rangers have really never had a true center fielder on their team, so they have to deal with that. And now I think Nick Solak, who's been playing some center, uh, probably has a safer uh, hold on playing time because of all these injuries. Santana's not really going to be pushing him for that spot. Shinsu Chu probably has to play a little more defense. Maybe they float the DH, and we see a guy like Derek Dietrich with all the shuffling end up playing on the big side of a platoon. It's a mess. Like This is a team with a lot of moving parts defensively and one of the few st- stable options defensively is Elvis Andrews. So you take him out of the equation, you consider they were a team that didn't have a center fielder and now they're a poor defensive team where guys are just way out of position, but uh, it's goofy. I think Derek Dietrich somehow is the winner in all this, Al. I agree actually. And so far in a very limited sample, he's been doing Derek Dietrich things. Um, actually, I haven't looked to see how many times he's been hit by pitches, but he is showing power and uh, hitting the ball in the air. So, um, you know, that that uh, that can lead to some streaky power like we saw last year with the Reds. And somebody who's not hitting the ball in the air at all is uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. But over the weekend, he should gain shortstop eligibility in five-game eligibility leagues. And I realize he's got more more value at catcher than at shortstop, but 
um, you know, it's always nice to be able to have uh, players that you can shift around. And he does have value, at least for stolen bases. So something just to consider there. But I want to shift over to first base um, just to talk about a couple of standout performances. Luke Voigt homered again for the Yankees on Thursday. He now has five homers in his last four games. And Eric Hosmer homered again too. his fifth home run of the season uh, hit his against the Rangers. So couple of first basemen that you figured were sort of middle of the pack to, or in the case of Hosmer, maybe even, you know, a little bit lower in the pack that uh, are producing more power than we might've, uh, might've expected. Hosmer finally hitting some fly balls. Uh, I'm not sure why now all of a sudden, but um, Hosmer of the two is the one that I think you might actually have a chance to add in some 12 teamers. Do you think it's worth it? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, if he's hitting the ball in the air, he was hitting the ball hard last year. He stood out to me as one of those guys nobody liked who had pretty good exit velo numbers. I just didn't believe he could do it. I figured if he was going to make an adjustment, we would have seen it by now. But this is a little bit like the uh, later career adjustment that we saw from Ryan Zimmerman. You might remember about four or five years ago, Zimmerman was pretty high up on the exit velo leaderboards, but he was also pretty high up on the ground ball rate leaderboards. Started to hit the ball in the air. I think it was Daniel Murphy who helped him unlock that and kind of had that late career resurgence for a couple of seasons. So maybe we're seeing something similar with Hosmer. Could be, yeah. So uh, definitely an option in 12-teamers if he's uh, if he's out there. And uh, just to wind up here, been talking a lot about prospects all week long and um, seems fitting to have a featured read from Keith Law uh, on The Athletic and a report on some prospects. So Keith Law's got his scouting notes on Tarek Skubel, Dylan Carlson and Luis Garcia. We haven't really talked about Garcia much this week. So um, in lieu of that, check out what Keith Law has to see about him. Um, really nice piece from from him. And that's going to be all that's going to wrap up the week here on Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review. We'd greatly appreciate it if you do take the time to do that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Monday. 